serving in southern Africa, the Africans have kind of a neat custom, and a custom goes something like this, is that when a Christian stands in front of other Christians to preach or to teach, that person greets the people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two reasons for that. The first reason is that the speaker recognizes for him or her to be an effective communicator, that person really needs the infilling of God's Holy Spirit. But at the same time, it's never just a one directional thing. It's not just one person talking to a group of individuals, but it's also the individuals that are out there saying that they want the Holy Spirit to speak to their hearts. And so I'm going to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as my way of saying that I truly want to depend upon him this morning. But if you would like for the Holy Spirit to speak to your hearts, you would respond back and you would say, Amen. And so, Baselwane, Mina, Nifunugu Pingalela, Egemeni, Lengosi, Ujeso Crestu. Okay, very, very good. Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2, has these words Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. The Lord, he grants sleep to those that he loves. Well, dear Father, this is my prayer, is as I have this wonderful opportunity of sharing with these, your beloved, my prayer is that they would not see Jim Lowe, but my prayer is that they would see you speaking through me. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, amen. Over 15 years ago, an IWU professor by the name of Keith Jury preached a message that has stuck with me over the years. What I share this morning really does find its foundation in what Dr. Drury shared in chapel those many, many years ago. Often I hear people asking a question, what is the greatest spiritual need among Christians? And as I've thought about this question, I find myself asking a similar question as it relates to those of us who are part of this academic community. What is the greatest spiritual need at Indiana Wesleyan University? You see, I recognize that being at a university where a large part of the population is between the ages of 18 and 22, that there are going to be a lot of different spiritual needs. There are some students who I am sure are trying to overcome sinful thought patterns. Others are dealing with wrong attitudes, while some are seeking to control the flow of unkind words. Others want help to stop being involved in deeds that are not pleasing to Almighty God. You see, there are many spiritual needs, but the greatest among students may not just be to escape internet porn, and it may not even be just to establish and be involved in more systematic devotions or even improved attitudes. But just like Dr. Drury, I am wondering if the greatest spiritual need among students may actually be sleep. You see, dear ones, we live, first of all, in a culture we live in a culture of restlessness or sleeplessness. This is definitely true in regards to the college culture. I love this illustration that Roger Sharkey shared. He said, I stayed up most of the night studying for an exam that was really, that was really dragging the next, and so because of it, I was dragging the next morning. And so in my first class, trigonometry, I felt the urge to close my eyes for as long as possible, but finally fell into a deep sleep. The next thing I knew, I heard the professor speaking. All right, whoever it is, wake up. I certainly don't appreciate snoring in my class. Now, who was it? 
And as I lifted up my hand to admit my guilt, I glanced around, expecting to see my classmates all looking at me and giggling at me. But instead, I was relieved to see six other guilty hands also raised in the sky. In fact, it astounds me how so many students dismiss sleep as being something that it really isn't all that important to their well-being. In fact, one student put it this way, I usually get serious about the next day's work somewhere around midnight when things start quieting down in the hall. In other words, he only begins, he only starts doing his homework at midnight. And let's be realistic with each other. This student, by the standards of many other students, is an early starter. I have known students who typically did their homework between the hours of 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. Another student said, sleep is a waste. The less time I spend sleeping, the more time I have to do the things that I either have to do or things that I want to do. Well, sleep deprivation truly has become a part of the culture in most colleges and universities. Can I show you that is true here as well? For many students, especially male students, it has become a kind of a badge of honor to be able to come along and tell people that I've done an all-nighter. But this is dangerous for there can be little question that sleep deprivation does have negative effects. As an example, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, drowsiness and fatigue cost more than 100,000 traffic accidents each year. And young drivers are at the wheel in more than half of these crashes. In fact, restlessness, sleeplessness is not just a part of the culture of colleges and university, it has become part of our contemporary culture. Americans today in general do not see the importance of getting enough sleep. But you need to know that this has not always been the case. Our grandparents in the year 1910 got an average of nine hours of sleep every night. And then in 1913, the electric light bulb was invented by Thomas Edison, who himself believed that sleep was a waste of time. And I want you to know, with the invention of the light bulb, everything changed in our culture. With daylight seemingly no longer relevant, the average person today sleeps less than seven hours a night, with many university students only getting four to six hours of sleep per night. In 2001, 38% of adults said that they slept eight hours or more a night. But last year, only 23% were sleeping eight or more hours. Can I share? That's down by 15%. And so the reality is this, sleep, we all love it. But few of us are getting enough of it. I like the following story by a person by the name of Mary McCollum. She shared, recently our pastor fell asleep at the wheel and awoke just as he sideswiped a guardrail. When he got home, his wife began to pepper him with questions, trying to figure out what had happened. Were you sleepy when you started to drive, she asked. To which he replied, no. Then how did you fall asleep? His reply, I'm not sure, the pastor answered. There I was, going over my sermon, and bang! I want you to know I chuckled. Because all I could think to myself was, his sermon must have been pretty boring. Now, if you come to me today and tell me that my sermon was boring today, I'm going to lose my holiness and smack you one. <laughs> I want you to know something. I, beloved, getting enough rest is important. 
Even my pet hedgehog, which is called Prickles, knows the importance of sleep. Isn't he cute? Number two, there are consequences of restlessness, of not getting enough sleep. You see, research on sleep is clear in its finding that sleep deprivation affects a person, first of all, physically. In an article published a few years ago, sleep deprivation among students, even if done for only one week, was shown to alter the hormones and the metabolism mimicking the hallmarks of the aging process. College students who do not get enough sleep begin to feel like old people and actually begin having the same physical symptoms like their grandparents. One symptom, they get wrinkles faster. That's a 20-year-old gal. No, that's a lie. <laughs> Sleeplessness also causes some to experience pain in their joints. In another experiment, white rats were prevented from restful sleep for around 10 days. All of them eventually died. Sleep deprivation also affects individuals psychologically. You see, it has been proven to cause emotional disturbances in people leading to aggressiveness as well as apathy. It has caused people to fluctuate between euphoria as well as depression and vice versa. You see, and for others, they lost their ability to think straight and to act quickly. Others who have experienced long periods of not resting and sleeping found it hard to even finish a sentence or find an appropriate word to describe something. Short-term memory also tended to fail. One person said that lack of sleep caused him to do everything twice as slow as normal. Students who sleep less than six hours a night on average have more symptoms of psychological maladjustment than those who sleep longer. You see, some students think that they can go without sleep to get ahead or, or to get caught up with things that are, that are lagging behind. But can I share, it simply doesn't work that way. Tests have shown that an all-nighter impairs a college student the same as a blood alcohol level above the legal limit of driving. The more a person seeks to save time by giving up sleep, the less efficient the learning or work is the next few days, and the more he or she then has to stay up in order to catch up. Or in other words, many college students are on a permanent sleep inefficiency cycle. That number one, they go without sleep to catch up, which then number two produces inefficiency and poor learning which then leads to number three, whereby requiring the tired individual to keep going without more sleep in order to be able to get caught up. I want you to know, when I was growing up, I used to love watching horror movies. Man, I tell you what, some of my heroes, I know I was weird, but some of my heroes when I was growing up, the mummy man, I loved the mummy man. I loved Dracula, I loved Frankenstein, but the one I loved the most were when they began talking about zombies. You see, I want you to know, too many students are like permanent walking zombies. And what is said is that before long, they consider this state of being to be very normal. <laughs> but I want you to know something, existing like a zombie is not normal. You see, professors see too many students in their classes whose eyes fade back into their head after a few moments of inactivity. In fact, one of the classes that most of us professors do not like teaching is the first hour of the day. 
And the reason being is that many of you may be present physically, but mentally or whatever, you're not there. And so one of the things we began to realize a few years ago when I was teaching a first hour class, a lot of the people would sit in the back. And the reason they would sit in the back was so because they could put their head against the wall. I want you to know, I began hearing sounds like this, thump, boom, thump, boom. Now this is going to sound really funny. All I could think to myself is depending on the density of their heads, they could actually have a song, boom. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Well, if this is the state that many students are in because they're tired, students lose contact with the class content. And therefore, whether they recognize it or not, they have wasted another learning opportunity in a classroom environment. And because they have lost class learning, they then feel that they need to stay up late as a means of catching up in order to get their work done. You see, research has revealed an association between sleep deprivation and poorer grades. Or in other words, lack of sleep does affect GPA. Sleep deprivation can also affect one's purpose. You see, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. And we are called to love our neighbor. But lack of sleep will affect the way that we deal with Almighty God. Many of you can testify to this, that when you're tired, many of you come to me and say that the last thing you really want to do is spend time in the Word, spend time praying to God because you're just so, so tired. And so what happens is this, you begin to ignore the Almighty. But what tends to happen when you're tired as well is you begin making statements like this, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm out of it, I'm weary, and notice the noun, the pronoun that is used, it is the word I, or another way of putting it, when you are weary, the I becomes the idol. Lack of sleep can affect the way that we deal with associations, the people that God places in our lives that we're supposed to be ministering to. Number one, tired people, they tend to be very cranky. I love this illustration. A grouchy man walked into a cafe. After sitting down, he couldn't find on the menu what he was hungry for. Ten minutes passed and still no one had come to him and waited to wait on him. And finally he yelled out to the waiter who was walking by, hey, do you serve crabs here? To which she said, yes, sir, I'll serve you in a minute. Can I share? There are a lot of crabs here at this school because you're tired. Number two, tired people tend to be critical. James McDonald in his book, Lord, Change My Attitude, wrote, a consistently critical attitude towards those around me can consume all that is healthy and joy-producing in my life. I know that when I'm tired, I get really cranky. And my wife, Roxy, many times has to come to me and say, go to bed. <laughs> Number three, tired people tend to be very curt with people. Let me give an example of what I'm talking about. Is the fact that a few years ago, I mean, when I grew up, I was taught that when you're walking and you're walking next to a gal, the nice thing for the guy to do is to open up the door. So I was on campus. I was ready to go into one of the buildings. There was a student walking next to me. It was a female student. I thought I was going to be a real nice guy. So I rushed to the door, opened up the door. As I opened up the door, she looked at me, would not go through the door. And she looked at me. She said, don't you think I can open up my own door? I was tired that day. This is what I'm thinking. I wish I could slam the door in your face. (laughs) 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 
I'm not too transparent. <laughs> I've come to the place of seeing individuals that when they start the school year, they make statements like this, could you please be quiet? And then when they get tired, they come along, quiet. And then before long, when they're super, super weary, I've heard this even in the library, shut up. Tired people can be cruel. And the reason I'm pulling my hair out is because, again, when I'm curt, I just, when people are nasty to me, I just want to pull my hair out. Or really, I want to pull their hair out. Tired people can also be cruel. A few weeks or a few years ago, my wife and I, we had come along. We had our car. We were parking at Walmart. As we were parked at Walmart, some guy came along and with his car, wasn't paying attention to what he was doing, kind of pushed his car. And the car he had hit my car. My car had a dent in it. And I want you to know, I was tired that day. And all I wanted to do was to take that guy and to pick him up by his feet and twirl him round and round and round. And so that I could take his head and bang it against his car so that his car could have a dent. <laughs> oh boy. Not very holy, am I? <laughs> I didn't do it though. <laughs> Lack of sleep can affect the way that we deal with allurements or temptations in our life. Since sleep deprivation erodes the will. You see, one way prisoners of war were made to condemn their country as well as their own actions was to keep them awake. They were exposed to constant bright lights and wakened every half hour, depriving them of deeper levels of restful sleep. Others were put in tiny rooms where they could not stretch out or catch more than a 10 minutes news time. With time, their prisoners would break and then they would give in. Well, you need to know that sleeplessness, it eroded their will to resist, causing them to be willing to give in to things that they normally would not have given in to. Go without sleep? And even the strongest-willed person gives in easier. String several weeks of five-hour nights, and I can guarantee you that one's will is going to weaken, and his or her resistance will enter into meltdown. You see, realistically, it is during times like this that one will give in to temptations, since the individual will be too tired to resist because he or she has developed a dissatisfied and a who cares attitude towards life and even towards sin. In fact, if you find yourself in this position, you may find yourself just wanting to give up, to quit, to drop out. Which then leads me then to the third point, the call to rest. In Psalm 127, it reveals to us three important truths. I'm going to go through these quickly. Number one, it shows God's desire to cooperate with us. It states, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. You see, dear ones, without God's blessing, all human effort and all human precautions are in vain. Listen again to what else it states. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. You see, one, Psalm 127 was written to check self-reliance. It was coming along and stating that, hey, you're not in this by yourself, but God has a plan for all of us. Number two. Psalm 127 shows God's deep concern for us. Listen to the words, in vain you rise early and stay up late. You can almost hear the tone of God's voice as Solomon shares what God is thinking. It sounds like a concerned parent for their child who's not going to bed, who's not taking care of him or herself. 
It'd be almost like your parents coming here, and if they knew your schedule, I wonder if some of them would come to you and say, hey, I have deep concern for you. Will you go to bed? Number three, Psalm 127 is show God's divine care for us. W. Clarkson presented a homily on Psalm 127, and he preached these words. Sleep is part of the wonderful organization that God has endued us with. And is so constructed that at due time, sweet, refreshing sleep shall steal over our senses. And our tired bodies shall have rest. Part of this organization is seen in the terrestrial conditions. Look at how the earth swings itself around out of the light into the darkness. The sounds and stir of the day are hushed. And the glare of light is gone for a while, and thus provision for sleep is made. So how do I conclude this? You see, dear ones, a large percentage of you don't need to go to the altar over and over and over. Can I share a large percentage of you, I believe, in this room need to go to bed. I do not mean, now you have to hear this, I'm not, I don't want you leaving here, coming along and saying, hey, umfundisi, Jim is saying that we don't need to repent and pray. That's not what I'm saying. Some of you need to do that. But God seldom will provide for you through prayer or a trip to the altar that he has already provided for you if you would get proper rest. If you are living the sleep-deprived life and wondering why God doesn't make you a nicer person or take away your crankiness or give you more joy or remove your moodiness or strengthen your resistance to temptation, the answer is you may need to just go to bed and to do so on a regular pattern. You see, the discipline many in the IWU community need to develop is not the discipline to get up in the morning, but the discipline to go to bed at night. And so how do I end this? I'm going to do something that's a little bit hokey for some of you. We're in week number four of this semester. Many times when I come to chapel, I sit in the balcony. And what I notice is that many of you, I don't think you're trying to be resistant to what's taking place in your classes or even in chapel services, but I'm noticing that more and more of you are falling asleep. And so this is what's going to happen. The theme for this semester is making choices. You have to make a choice what you're going to do when it comes to God's provision for you to rest. But for the next few moments, this is what's going to happen. We're going to give you opportunity to relax to release and to rest. And so will you do me a favor? We're going to dim the lights. So all over, I've asked if they, would, if they can do that. We're going to dim the lights. There's going to be a video clip that you get to watch. I want you to get into a comfortable position if you can. And for the next few months, I understand, you can't do this for every chapel service. But I want you to relax in this chapel for the next few moments. Relax in the Lord.
It's Jesus Christ who said, come on to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We practice spiritual disciplines as a means to help prioritize our lives in such a way that we can place God number one in our lives. I see sleep as a spiritual discipline that many in this room need to practice. So dear ones, do me a favor, go in the power and in the rest of Jesus Christ. Thank you.